Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Uliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. So I'm going to read to you uh, from Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and we're going to cover two chapters. I'm not going to finish everything I want to say today. I'm going to continue next week, so part one, part two. But there's these seven letters to seven churches in Asia that uh, Jesus dictated to the Apostle John and said, write to the seven churches of Asia. And he basically said a few things to them and commended them for some things, chastised them for other things. But each one of the letters finishes with a promise to those who overcome. And so let, let me read you the first promise. This is found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. It says, who, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so it states, if you overcome, there's a promise. Now, let me say this, that, that we are saved by grace so you can't do anything to merit your salvation except repent and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a free gift from God. But the rewards in heaven, there are rewards that God gives. And it's based on you overcoming and fulfilling the mandate that God has got for your life. So I just want to encourage you not only just to cling on to your salvation, but to move to the next step. And it's, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? So too often, too many people just get saved and stop there. But God never designed for you to get saved and stop there. He designed for you to get saved and move forward into the fullness that God's got for you and obedience and following Jesus and discipleship and committing yourself to obeying all of his commands is all part of discipleship. And it enables you to live your best life here and it also gives you the best rewards in heaven. So can I talk to you about the seven rewards for the overcomers? Actually, there's more than seven. But uh, we'll call them seven because it's seven churches. So the first reward for the overcomer, and this is the person who overcomes the, the trinity of evil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Three things that we are commanded to overcome, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And there's a fight that we've got to battle with the world, the spirit of worldliness, flesh, that that, that that thing within us that wants to do wrong, that battles with the spirit within us that wants to do right. So if we can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, we become overcomers. We finish our race. We fight the fight. And then there's a prize that's in store for us. It's the overcomer's prize. So the first promise is that we get to eat of the tree of life. Can I talk to you about the tree of life this morning? Anyone interested in finding about the tree of life? Because you are? Okay. The tree of life is mentioned, first of all, in Genesis chapter 2, right at the beginning of the Bible. And then it's mentioned 
in the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. So it's fascinating that the tree of life starts in the beginning of the Bible and is mentioned right at the end of the Bible. And here it is, this promise that if we overcome, we get to eat of the tree of life. And in Genesis, in Revelation 22, it describes this tree on either side of the river of life that flows from the throne of God. You can read it in Revelation 22. And it, and it bears fruit. Uh, uh, every month it's got 12 different types of fruit. And the Bible says that the leaves of this tree bring healing to the nations. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever seen Avatar and the tree and Avatar and, and sort of, you know, the, the essence of that. But this, this leaves that as a miniature bonsai plant compared because this is in heaven and it's on either side of the river of life and and uh, whether whether it's got two great big stumps that grow on either side of the river whatever it is it's just huge or whether it's got a big hole in the middle and the river flows through the middle of it I don't know but the fact is that there's this huge tree called the tree of life that we get to eat and life is a theme of heaven. I love the fact that life is a theme that goes right throughout the Bible. I mean, how many of you memorized John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So right there, in, in the most popular verse in the Bible is the theme of heaven, everlasting life. And, and what's interesting is that, that when we read the book of Revelation, there are four things in heaven that give life. One is the tree of life. The second is what I just mentioned, the river of life. And then there are another two things that, that are connected with life, and that's the book of life. How many of you remember that your names are written in the book of life? It's also called the Lamb's book of life. And it's the registry book of heaven. And so you better make sure that your name is in the book. How many of you have 100% conviction that your name is in the book of life? Give me, give me a wave if you've got that 100% conviction. Because if you haven't, today we can make sure that your name is written in that book of life. And the fourth thing that represents life in heaven is the crown of life. So there's the tree of life, the river of life, the book of life, the crown of life. And it all, it all connects with this whole theme of the God life. And, and it's interesting to do a word study on life. It's the Greek word zoe. And this is the God life. It's the life that God breathes. And what I find so fascinating is this, is that when I was at Sally's deathbed and, and death that first death was about to embrace her. What also was about to embrace her was life. From death to life. But now this life is eternal life. And it's the Zoe of God. And it's the, and it's the life that God intended for us to have right from the beginning. A whole different life. And Jesus describes it in John 10 as abundant life. Now, every single person in this room is alive. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking about you. you might be asleep, but you're alive. The, the, the fact is that you're alive. 
But your life is very different. Because some of you are looking at your life and it's not great life. It's not, you didn't wake up this morning full of life and joy and peace and harmony. Some of you, some of you woke up with depression. Some of you woke up with, will I, won't I go to church? And obviously, you, you know, your spirit won because you're here and I love that. But some of your friends didn't win. They're still at home or watching on whatever. The point, the point that I'm making is this, is that when... God talks about life in heaven. It's the God life where there's no depression, no sickness. The the tree of life actually brings healing. The mental illnesses that so many people are suffering with, the grief, the anxiety. Maybe some of you right now are suffering anxiety. There's anxiety about your future. There's anxiety about what you don't have. There's anxiety about, you know, uh, sickness and anxiety about all this sort of stuff. And, you know, just, just let me just say that none of us are immune while we're here from problems and challenges. None of us are immune. What's fascinating is that our executive leadership team of Adrian and Matt and myself, we all have parents right now that are, that are confronting challenges. And we're talking life and death challenges that all of our parents are confronting. And these sort of things can, can sort of weigh heavy upon you. And so when they weigh heavy upon, upon me, my attitude is I just go to God and I say, God, this is your problem. And uh, in through prayer, I laid at your feet. And so I just laid at your feet. And so people are asking me, so how do you feel about the challenges that your mother is facing? And my attitude is it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. Are you worried about it? I'm not, am I concerned? Yes, I'm concerned, but concern is different to worry. See, concern is I love my mother and I'm concerned about her challenges, but worry is painting a picture of death and suffering that I'm not willing to paint for my mum. And, um, and so we hand it over to God. And so then we live this life of handing things over. So it's not being oblivious and having such a positive confession that we're oblivious to challenges. No, we face our challenges, but we face them with a faith that even if this is the end, the fact is that it's not the end because she goes to be with Jesus and has this eternal life where there's no more suffering, there's no more pain, there's no more restrictions of old bodies. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? The restriction of old bodies. Uh, how many of you just can't seem to skip like you used to skip? Run like you used to run? Do the push-ups you're able to, to, to do before? Oh my goodness. Uh, I remember the days when I was able to do all these push-ups and, and now I'm thinking, man, that'll be a heart attack in a process right there. So... So, so, but when we get to heaven, the promise is that we will partake of the tree of life and, and that life, life will be imparted. Let me tell you another theme of heaven is not just life, but light. So the Bible talks about heaven not having any more darkness and that the glory that emanates from God will light up all of heaven. And so there'll be no more night. There'll be no more darkness. The light in heaven will not come from the sun, but will come from the glory of God. And he doesn't go to sleep. And so there's this constant light. 
just think about this. Life and light and color are all themes of heaven and worship. And, and it's, part, it's, it's all part of what will be there for us. And, and this isn't the Bible. This is not me. Well, last night I had a dream and, and, and God showed me in a dream heaven. No, this is Bible, folks. This is not somebody's dream. This is Bible. And this is what the Bible says rather than I had a dream and I felt this. Not that I want to question everybody's dreams. I just say you can't compare a dream to the Word of God. Okay, the Word of God, it, heaven and earth will fall away. Not one, one word will fall short. So, so that's the first reward is that you'll be a partaker of the tree of life and you receive the God life. And the God life will cause you to live on a whole different dimension. Can anybody say amen to that? Okay, so let me tell you the second reward is found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. So let's read verses 10 to 11. It says, uh, we'll start from verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. The faithful until death, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He's one of the rewards. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that 2,000 years ago, Christians were suffering persecution. 2000, and, and all these churches that, um, that the book of Revelation were written to were churches under persecution, churches that had their challenges from authority, from government, and uh, they, they were out to destroy Christians, and they did. And, and he was saying, you're going to be persecuted. And, uh, and right now, we've got laws that are being tested in New South Wales Parliament that if they are passed, will actually hinder me from preaching the Bible the way that it is. And, um, and so we need to pray that God will just give us favor and that God will put right people into place so that we don't get persecuted for preaching the Bible, preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. Uh, uh, amen. So then this is the promise for those who overcome, those who stay faithful to the end, those who do not renounce Jesus but stay faithful to him to the end. Here it is. The Bible says that they will receive a crown of life. And in verse 11, he was in here. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So his two rewards, the crown of life. Imagine that receiving a crown of life, a crown that, that symbolizes your eternal life, a crown that symbolizes that you will live forever. What a wonderful thing. Whether, whether it's a real crown or a symbolic crown, to me, is irrelevant. You know, really, it's just the fact that you will be crowned with eternal life. But hey, if, if we end up getting a crown, I'm not going to say no. I'll probably lay it at the feet of Jesus, as uh, many of you will as well. But the fact is that it's eating of the tree of life, receiving a crown of life. What's more important than anything else is having your name in the book of life and you will live forever and being able to drink of that crystal waters that come from the throne of God where abundant life is yours. And that theme reoccurs. But then it moves on. It says you will not be hurt by the second death. Let me talk to you about the second death. Are you ready for this? So your first, first death is when you exit this world. So that's the first death. So uh, when you exit this world, the gateway 
is through death. And too often, we don't see it as a gateway. We see it as a fearful thing because we don't know what's on the other side. But when you have Jesus, you do know what's on the other side. And you know that Jesus is at the other side. And, and I always get encouraged by people that have seen that, that tunnel and light and, and whatever that so many people consider questionable. But the fact is that it is biblical that there is light on the other side. And it'd be scary if all you saw was darkness. But when there's light and you know that one of the themes of heaven is not only life, but also light, it's a good sign if you see light at the other end. Amen. Okay, uh, rather. But the second death the Bible talks about, and, and I want to talk to you about this because it's often not spoken about these days, is the lake of fire. In Revelation 20, verse 14, it says, the second death is the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. In Revelation uh, 21, verse 8, it talks about the second death as a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And it's like, when was the last time you heard mentioned in church, lake of fire, fire and brimstone. It's like, it's hardly ever mentioned. But I need to mention it today because it's a reward. What's a reward? That this will not hurt you. That this, even though it exists, is something that you not need be afraid of. How good is that? So let's put, twist it around, rather than using it as a fear, turn it around and say, you don't have to be afraid of this because you won't be hurt by this. This is not something in your destiny. This was designed for Lucifer and his fallen angels. It wasn't designed for you and you will not be hurt by this. Why? Because you will be an overcomer. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say this. I'm an overcomer. And because I'm an overcomer, I will not be hurt by the second death. And so what I see here is this incredible contrast that, uh, that Jesus wants us to focus on. And the contrast is the crown of life, which is the reward and the judgment of the second death. And it's like, compare these two. What do you want? The reward of eternal life or the judgment of the second death? And you don't have to fear that because God wants you to live in hope not fear. Turn to the person next and say, God wants you to live in hope, not fear. In expectation, not terror. You will not be hurt by this. It's not something that ought to keep you awake at night fearful. Because as an overcomer, the crown of life will be yours. The crown of life. The crown of life will be yours. I want to finish with um, just one more thought. And that's found in Chapter 2, verse 17, and it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone is a new name written, which no one knows except the one who receives it. Can I talk to you about the hidden manna and the white stone? So the manna speaks about God providing for His children in the wilderness. And so God provided manna. This, this provision was so important that God is seen as the provider. That God is seen to you as the provider. That 
when the Ark of the Covenant was built, you, you know the Ark of the Covenant was a box and a seat. And so in the box were three things. And the seat was called the mercy seat. And so every year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would come and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And the blood covered people's sins. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't just a seat. It was also a box. And inside the box were three things. Three things that were in the box was the law, the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, the high priestly rod, and a jar of manna. And so what do these three things symbolize? Well, you know... Aaron's rod that budded represents that Jesus is our high priest, our eternal high priest. The Ten Commandments that were there signify that Jesus is the one who will lead us in righteousness. And as we follow Jesus, we will not fall, we will not break the law, we'll fulfill the law in Jesus. And this last one, the manna. I love this thought because it was hidden. It was in the box. Not, even, not too many people know about it, but it speaks about him being our eternal provider. We will not be without anything. I just love the thought that Jesus will forever provide for us. That, that because of Jesus, there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more lack. There'll be no more hunger. He is the eternal provider. And we get to eat of the hidden manna. And, and, and I love this thought because it was brought up last week with some of our, our, our youth preachers that spoke about the fourth um, beatitude that talks about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and when you're hungry for something, you go searching for it. And when you find Jesus, you found the hidden manna and you eat of him and he'll provide for you eternally. I, I just love that thought. But then it says, not only would you, will you, will you partake of the hidden manna and you get to eat of it, but you, you get this white stone with your name written on the white stone. And, and you say, well, what, what does the white stone signifies? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because in ancient times, your case would be heard in a court of law. And once your case would be heard in a court of law, those who would hear it, would actually determine whether you were guilty or innocent. And so if you were guilty, they'd write your name on a black stone. If you're innocent, they'd write your name on a white stone. And so can you imagine the anticipation wait, waiting to see if there were black stones or white stones? And, and, uh, and, and here it is, you know, God saying, not guilty. And here's the white stone to signify it. Much more meaningful to the people of that era than to us. Because sometimes you were falsely accused and the judge had to determine your innocence by giving you a white stone. But I love the fact that you also get a new name. A new name. And uh, how many of you know that when you were born, you received your name? And when you were born, you received your name connected to your earthly father. My, when I was born, my name was John Giuliano, which was my father's name, Salvatore Giuliano. And he received his name from his father, which was Pasquale Giuliano. And he received his name from his father, which was Salvatore Giuliano. 
received his name from his father, which was Pasquale Juliano. How many of you can see the theme here? I broke, I, I, I broke generations of, of, of whatever. But my son has come in and has called his son Salvatore Juliano. So he's starting the tradition again. <laughs> but the point is that Juliano is a name that represents my father on earth. But when we get to heaven, we'll receive a new name and it'll represent our heavenly father our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father. We carry His name throughout eternity. We carry His name. What an incredible thing it is when, when, when people hear our name, our new name, they'll know who we're connected to. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Juliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.